The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good Friday morning and welcome to a closing of the week edition and I've analyzed this here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands. WTJX FM with yours truly, Neville James. It is the morning after the great debate and uh, of course last night here on WTJX you saw a debate with um, Governor Albert Bryant and gubernatorial candidate Kurt Viola, Senator Kurt Viola. And I thought uh, both um, um, distinguished themselves well. Um, I got a, a, a phone call, a text message from one of my friends asking me, you know, um, you watching the debate? I said, yeah. I said, what do you think about it? I said, you know, do you like the debate? I said, oh, do you like the debate? I said, well, yes and no. And she, she, was, she said, explain. And I said, well, I like seeing the two brothers go at it um, intellectually and, you know, issue-based and all that stuff. So that's... That's always good because ever so often the public needs to know that our leaders are prepared uh, to defend themselves uh, via a respectable uh, circumstance and all that stuff. The no part is because it's hard watching two friends that you've known um, for um, 46 and 40 years respectively. And I've known Kurt Viola since I was 12 known the governor since I was 40, since, uh, for 40 years, since I was 18, uh, you know, so uh, that part of it, you know, you know, the human side, it rough, you know, but they they held on, they did well, and and as a matter of fact, you know, uh, from a sentimental standpoint, both of them live on St. Croix, so it's it hard to see uh, uh, two of our wars, like they say, from St. Thomas, even though both got roots in St. Thomas. Albert Bryan himself is from St. Thomas and uh, Code Viola father from St. Thomas. Um, you know, they both live on St. Croix. And there was one point that I thought both of them um, could have made a little bit more personal uh, when, when the topic came up. <clears throat> Over the weekend, I had a conversation with uh, one of my uh, uh, employees. Well, he's, he's more my friend. Uh, uh, we're friends now, but he worked for me once upon a time. And um, he told me, you know, the rate, uh, the murder rate is like three, four to one on, on, um, in favor of St. Croix versus St. Thomas. I said, oh, really? Me you know about that. I think it's more like two to one. And and um, last night, it came the, the the topic came up, and the governor himself said that. Uh, um, it is 21 to 7 in favor of St. Croix. Um, and, and the source, um, they, they do a, a year-long uh, count of that. Um, and uh, well, I'll make sure I get the stats here. Um, the, the governor's very much on point. Um, that number is 
21 and they've actually modified it. It's now 22 to 7. They do a homicide list. Um, somebody just texted me to ask me, so who you voting for? Uh, I'm, I'm, not allowed, I'm not allowed to vote uh, for the gubernatorial race while I'm down the radio. So sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. Um, so uh, the ratio is 3 to 1. Right and, and a little bit over three to one now. If it's twenty-two to seven, and I thought both of them, um, you know, because the question was how do we go about addressing the murder rate, and I thought both of them should have paused at that point and spoken about the fact that first of all we have way too many murders in the Virgin Islands to begin with, right? But more importantly, because I live on Saint Croix, um, this is even more troubling. Because it really does not speak well for a civilized society. That where you live, gun violence is as rampant as it is. I'm sorry to say it. And I'm here to tell you now, you know, I graduated in 82, same year as Court Ville. Governor graduated, I believe, in 85. And um, we never had it like that back then. If we had two or one back then, that that was, I mean, that was shocking numbers, you know? So at that point, I, I really think they, they should have made it, you know, a personal thing for them, you know, for the Virgin Islands and in particular for both of them since they live here uh, on St. Croix. Because I don't want us to ever get to the point where, 15 murders is good. You know, and, uh, you know, seriously, you know, I mean, we've had numbers. Uh, right now, the numbers are 29, 28, whichever one is you want to apply. Uh, but we've had years when the numbers are in the 40s. I believe in the, at one point, you know, it had gotten way up there. So, but aside from that, you know, the one thing I do want to say, we're going to break this down on the table talk on Monday. Um, um, debating uh, uh, when when the lights are on and you know that votes are you know hinged you know on performance you know it's not easy um, so I, I I try my best to stay away from being critical even though I've decided to take a critical mode and not a moderator mode because people were calling me to ask me you going to be on tonight asking the questions and I was like no I'm not doing this this go around so but I thought you know uh, both men look distinguished, and uh, clearly the defending champ, you know, he 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 was uh, exuding, uh, um, you know, um, I'm, you know, I I I I uh, I don't think you could do, I don't think I don't think you could be better than me at this job, and uh, the challenger pretty much was saying, um, yo, um, you ain't done the job. You know, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, early voting is ongoing. By the way, we had a press release. I don't know if we got a, if the Board of uh, Elections uh, did a press release um, from last night, but from the night before, um, the numbers were at, uh, what number was that? Um, 2,120. So we were averaging uh, 740 votes. Uh, per day for the first three days. And the most disturbing thing 
is the young people, 18 to 24. That number was at 39. Three on St. John, 19 on St. Thomas, and 17 on St. Croix, which represents just 2%, just under 2%, actually. The 2% would be about 40, 43. So we're going to work on a day for next week, right? We're going to work on our young people get out to vote day. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna look at Thursday next week, and we're gonna hype it here and um, analyze this. Thursday afternoon, we want all the young people them. Thursday, the twentieth, okay, ten twenty. We want all the young people them between eighteen and twenty-four to flood the election system and start participating in the process. All eligible voters between 18 and 24. Right? 10, 20. Right? Okay. That's your location. The location, right? The 10, 20. But 20. The 20 going to be at the election system voting centers. Okay? Next week, Thursday, one alley young people them to come out. And flood the system next week and let your voice be heard. Um via your inalienable right to vote. Okay, St. John, uh, the Marketplace, Suite 2, in St. Thomas, to Tupac Mall, and um, the Laka Gardens, um, uh, upstairs at Banco Popular, and on St. Croix, St. Joseph Church, Hospitality Lounge, and the Elections Office in Sunny Isle. Okay? Young people voting day, 1020. We designated... The 20th of October, the young people voting day in the early voting window. <coughs> now we smash some records, like I had to say in St. Thomas. That's right. So that's what we had. Okay. Yeah, man. So we are, we can do the candidate speak. Um, Both hours. Our number one, we got Devin Carrington on the St. Croix senatorial ballot. And uh, he is number 10. He's going to be joining us. In a minute, and then uh, in hour number two, we got Senator Marvin Blyden, who is number four on the St. Thomas senatorial ballot. Uh, he can be joining us in uh, hour number two on the candidate speak. I'm going solo today because uh, um, some Sibley Brown got run-ins. The She Conference is going on uh, today, uh, so she's going to be uh, there. Uh, doing her thing, so I gonna got to hold it down. Uh, we flying solo this morning here on the candidate speak. Okay, so he's in the house. Good morning, candidate Devin Carrington, former commissioner, of the Department of License and Consumer Affairs. Welcome to the candidate speak here on analysis. Good morning to you, Neville James, my my cousin. Yes, <laughs> yes the Lenhards. Yes, yeah. and good morning to the listening audience. Um, Glad to be here. It's a beautiful day outside. It is. It is. Really nice. And I looked at the debate last night, which was very interesting. Yes. yes <laughs> it was yes. very interesting. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, first of all, um, I'm going to give you a minute and a half to tell the public who is Devin Carrington and why he is seeking uh, office to be a member of the 35th Legislature of the Virgin Islands that convenes in January of 2023. Well, my name is Devin Carrington. So number 10 on the ballot. I guess it's obligatory to say that. And uh, I am... Uh, uh, the son of a gentleman born in Fredericksted and a, and a, a mother born in 
St. Thomas out of Savannah. <laughs> right. I, am a, I am a lawyer by training. I'm a musician by birth. I have served in the Virgin Islands uh, government for, uh, I won't say how long, but 20 years. Um, uh, I, I'm a graduate of the St. Croix Central High School and a graduate of the University of the Virgin Islands, went to law school in Florida, and came back home, and uh, I've served as a teacher, as a social worker, uh, a myriad of things, of, as a legal counsel for several departments. I've served as a commissioner at the Casino Commission, and also the Commissioner of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. So I've been around. Mm -hmm. i got a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty vast experience in government. Without a doubt. Um, why are you seeking office? at this particular point, juncture in your professional career and life? I, um, I, really, I, I really sincerely believe that um, I was taught by my parents that, that to do as much as given, much as expected. And I, 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 love, this, I love this place. This is uh, where my roots lie. And I believe that I, I still have enough, uh, I've, I've, I've enough to contribute to give back, so to speak, to, to the place that gave me so much. And I also want to say that I... I I think that the, the example of our ancestors is, is, is very important to me. They sacrificed and they gave what they gave. They contributed what they contributed to, to make this place what it is for us. And so I believe that um, in, in that tradition, in that legacy, I have an obligation to, to give up myself uh, to make things better for the succeeding generations. Without, without a doubt. You are a member of the Indugo Collective or the Indugo Caucus? I am, I am a... Support of the Indungo platform. Indungo platform, okay. Yes. A plat it's a platform. It is a platform. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that came about, how, about, how that came to being in the 2022 election cycle? The, the, the Indungo Collective uh, is a, an outgrowth, outgrowth of, of some concerns that, uh, that are reflected in the platform, um, specifically uh, education concerns, uh, self-sufficiency, finance and banking concerns that uh, that the, the, the organization felt were not being addressed by the current uh, administration and, and, and quite frankly by previous administrations and, and so that the, the collective is a, is a group that wants to see these certain, those specific areas that I just spoke about being, being addressed in a more holistic, more robust way. Okay, you know, okay, I, I, I definitely can respect that. Um, education, um, local banking, um, what are the other areas you, you mentioned there? Uh, uh, Speaking to the microphone. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Education, uh -huh. uh, finance and banking, self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. And reapportionment. Yeah, okay, reapportionment is also a part of that. Yeah, okay. Part of it, yeah. okay, good. Now, what's the difference between the 2020... Uh, election cycle and this uh, this cycle in 2022. Personally, yeah, because you sought office in, yes, in I, 2020. Well, I, I actually started a lot earlier this time. Okay, uh, I've run, I believe, a more robust, more out in your face campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, you, as you know, you've been there. Money is always an issue, mm -hmm. and so um, I was able to raise uh, the type of funds that I needed to run the degree of campaign that I'm running now. Okay, and so uh, you know, it's uh, you, you live at your lord. You 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 try it once. You you don't do as well, and you, you do better the next time. Well, the reason why I asked you this question because a number of candidates sought office in 2020 and it, it was to me um, 
I don't want to use the word unfair, but it was unusual because retail politicking was out given that we were in the throes of the pandemic. Of course. So, so the difference between 2022 with the pandemic, not, not I mean, the pandemic evolving into what is now, quote unquote, the endemic and something that we can live better with as opposed to 2020, the actual politicking part, what, what, what's the distinction there? Based oh, on what you've seen. It was a great distinction. I mean, in-your-face politics is, is something you can do this this cycle, yeah. the first cycle. And I mean, I, I couldn't even hold campaign meetings, but virtually because people, the campaign, uh, you know, people were really, uh, we, were in the, we were in the throes of, of the, uh, the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. the height of the pandemic, and people were really wary of, of meeting face-to-face. So uh, being able to... Touch the flesh, so to speak, is a, is a big difference. Exactly. What's the biggest issue that was prevalent in 2020 that is still prevalent in 2022? Uh, I would say energy. Mm-hmm. Energy, uh, the cost of energy in the Virgin Islands. I mean, some would say education and, and health, but uh, I think those things have been uh, exacerbated over the, the last uh, two years. But energy is a constant that we, uh, we, all, we all have to deal with and have to find a way to deal, uh, make a solution to. Energy by itself, or energy because it impacts everything else in our existence, economic potential, economic development, cost of living, things of that nature. Yeah, I think that it, it, it's 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 energy as it as it spills over into uh, people's financial uh, wherewithal to to afford it, and, and whether it be individuals, individuals' homes, um, taking a big chunk out of their their, their monthly uh, budget, or businesses who have to throw so much money into a energy that uh, it eats the bottom line. So cost of living is, uh, so basically you're saying because of energy, cost of living and quality of life is the issue, the number one issue for you. I, th- I think that I think that uh, that's an accurate statement. Okay, good. Now, um, you, uh, like um, Senator Pata, right? Milton? W- were members of the previous administration. Correct. When we were impacted with Roman Maria in 2017. Correct. So the question that I'm asking you is you can think about uh, oh, well, while we go to break, because I asked him the same question. Knowing what you know, having been an insider in 2020 when the previous administration put us in a position to recover, mm-hmm. are we where we should be with respect to the recovery four, five years later, respectively? We got Devin Carrington here, number 10 on the ballot, on the St. Christ Senatorial ballot here on Candidate Speak. Analyze this. We'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. One in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com 
the VI Energy Office and the University of the Virgin Islands Caribbean Green Technology Center are hosting the first VI Energy Fair. There will be outdoor live demonstrations, interactive workshops, and leaders from the community will be on site to discuss what the territory is doing to reduce energy costs. The fair will be held at the UVI campuses from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on St. Thomas on October 15th and on St. Croix on October 30th. For more information about the Energy Fair, cgtc-usvi.org forward slash energy fair. Hola, soy Isabela Gómez ayudando a Smokey Bear porque él tiene mucho más que decir que solo Solo tú puedes prevenir incendios forestales. Si estás afuera disfrutando de una barbacoa después de una larga caminata asegúrate de no tirar tus brasas o cenizas calientes al suelo porque podría provocar un incendio forestal Toma en serio la prevención de incendios forestales y salvemos el mundo un día a la vez Juntos con Smokey Bear podemos hacerlo Ve a SmokeyBear.com para obtener más información. Presentado por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos, su ingeniero forestal estatal y el Ad Council The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Back here on Analyze This, the candidate speak, and can the candidate today is uh, former commissioner of the Department of License and Consumer, now a candidate, Devin Carrington, number 10, on the ballot. Good morning once again, candidate Carrington. So the question um, is about the recovery, and it's a little different for yourself um, and um, current Senator Pada, because I believe he was the personnel director. Yes, right? he was. He was. And Frankie G. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> affectionately, you know, Fra Franklin, Senator Franklin Johnson, because he was a senior policy advisor for the governor, that's right? What, that's what he was, yes. So, so just from a chronolo chronological perspective, so that uh, the question is presented to you um, in, in this proper context, we slammed by two hurricanes in 2017, the governor and the delegate, um, after the assessment was done, because you guys were in the assessment business after the storm, right? Yes, we were. Um, the original number, I believe, was three and a half bill. Then we realized it was twice that, yes. eight billion. We get that money via an appropriation in February of 2018. Um, the new administration takes over in January of 2019. Today is October 2022. First question, where are we with respect to the naked eye? in the recovery in terms of um, are we where we should be, number one? And number two, what was what, what's it like knowing that we have all these financial resources, wherewithal, and, um, you know, how do you correlate that to where do you think we are with respect to the recovery? Uh, with, uh, with respect to the naked eye view, I, I think that uh, it, it's fair to say that uh, we're not where people expected us to be. I believe that uh, uh, it, it's it's... It's disheartening to a lot of people, myself included, that uh, we 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 are not uh, we haven't repaired roofs, we haven't repaired homes the way that uh, that uh, one would think that uh, it would happen. Uh, it, it seems to me that we had a momentum uh, with the prior administration that 
indicated that we're going to get things done uh, as expeditiously as, as possible, given the context of the whole storm and, and the, 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 the whole process uh, between Washington and, and, and uh, the VA. Um, what I think is that um, we have this tendency in the Virgin Islands in our politics to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And, and what I, in my observation, when we change administrations, there was a wholesale change, which included people who had been in the process, who knew more about the process, uh, who could have continued the process. Uh, but instead, we, you know, we, we, we threw out people who could have taught uh, uh, new appointees how to navigate the process, and we could have been further along. And that's that's my thought. No, no, the one of the problems that we have in the Virgin Islands, and, and it might sound like I'm being in defense of the administration, but actually it's an irrefutable fact. We had a capacity issue in terms of um, the number of people we have here on the ground um, to actually do uh, the things to get us to where we need to be in terms of the recovery when you, when you factor in the dollars that were available. In, in other words, shortages on engineers mm-hmm. and certain mm-hmm. specialties. So we can't really deny That's it. a fact. That's, That's a, a fact. fact. Yeah, we, we're, not, we're not going to deny that part. But getting back to the throwing out the baby with the bathwater, do you think that politics may have played a part in that from the standpoint that the previous administration campaigned on the, a change, change course now mantra and they literally pigeonhole themselves into where they had to do the baby with the bathwater thing? Yeah, I, I certainly think that that, that, that's a, that was a factor, but I, I, I want to reiterate that as a general premise, this is what we do. We, we don't have the amount of talent present in the Virgin Islands that we can afford to do so. That's an excellent response. Wow. Uh, we got so more, we, when we, you say premise, you mean historically we have this habit of whenever there's a change administration. We do we, that. We just a full turnover as, as opposed to a performance-based turnover. We, we, yeah, exa- we cut off our nose to spite our face. And, and, and quite frankly, you, you would agree, we have more uh, uh, technical talent and expertise. Per capita. Yes. But much of our talent is away. Yes. Much of our talent is away. Yes. Which brings me to education, and that's near and dear on your heart. As a matter of fact, um, you did make some appearances on this show pre-filing, and one of the issues that we talked about was a case that you fought on behalf of our curriculum in, in the Virgin Islands. Speak a little bit about what, where, where you think education is curriculum and infrastructure. All right, uh, first of all, let me start with the infrastructure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, we have not, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to. I'm not one of the. I'm not a, not a person who who tries to bash any one administration. I, I like to be fair about we, what, what we do and, and where we are. And we have nev- we've never been, in recent time, a, a, a people, a, we never look to maintain our government structures, whether it be schools, hospitals. I mean, maintenance has always been an issue. And, and, and um, schools certainly uh, are lacking in, in terms of maintenance. Um, I think that... Uh, so you think the failure is great now, given that the argument for a lack of maintaining facilities, not just our schools, was availability of funds, and now that that argument is off the table, um, and we're still in the same predicament? Uh, it's, it's an interesting observation that uh, uh, if, if money is the issue, and we, we, we got ton loads of money, 
uh, why haven't we seen the improvements in the maintenance that we should have? In terms of curriculum, you, you talk about case 48, uh, 44. Mm -hmm. you, you've act, uh, the, case, the case that deals with Act 48, 44, which you know well. I, um, I was co-counsel on that case uh, where, and for the, for the edification of the listening public, it's a, a case where uh, the Department of Education and the Board of Education were challenged uh, by plaintiffs regarding their uh, carrying out of Act 4844, which mandates that uh, Virgin Islands and Caribbean history be taught uh, on all levels, uh, in all grades. And, and the plaintiff's contention is that the, the Department of Education was not doing that. And, and, uh, and, and from a, so from a general curriculum standpoint, with that as a specific item, where, are, where do you think we are in the Virgin Islands? Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm going to throw this in. Are we too too focused on the certificate requirements and not the the, the the contact between the contact between educator and student? I like your question. That's a very good question. I think that we we we're somewhat restricted or constricted by the fact that having received. Be, uh, receiving so many, so much, and so much federal dollars, we are we are tied to the Common Core standards. The Common Core standards are really detailed, and they they, they even dictate time constraints with within which you you teach this course, and and it, it dictates the type of curriculum that you have. I think that um, um, one of the arguments that we tried to make was that the 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 curriculum should be more reflective of who we are as a Caribbean people, as an African descended people, and that um, we didn't find that enough of that was being uh, taught in the curriculum. Don't, when you see the, your, your, one of your uh, fellow officers of the court, um, the one and only Jada Fincine, Jada Fincine, thank her for that question. That's not me, because I brought this up, so I'm going to ask the question. Uh, this is the final question about education. She had me to know, in 2017, 2018, my last term, Neville, we didn't have these certificate requirements when we were, for our teachers when we were growing up and look at what they produced. So, in other words, are we, and I asked the same question to Terrence T. Joseph here, when yes. he was, uh, he's a board of, board of education member yes. seeking re-election, um, and, and that's the reason why I asked that question. Have we gotten away from the fundamentals to the extent that it's impacting us um, because we, we keep requiring all these supposed certificates after uh, a teacher has gotten to the level where they are in a position to educate our young people? You and I are old enough to have experienced uh, being taught by teachers who were not, in fact, certified, quote, unquote. Not that they were not qualified, which is a difference. Which is a difference. Yeah. And so I, I think that the the restrictions, the, the parameters, that the requirements that that we, we, we place on on our, our educators, although you want qualified people, they don't necessarily those requirements don't necessarily translate to to uh, effective teaching in the classroom. Um, I, I, I like I like that that response. Um, you are a, a a lawyer by training, aren't you, sir? A lawyer by training, like I said, musician by birth. Musician by birth. Okay, good. Speaking of, of which, by birth, 
Um, you're originally out of the, the West End area. Talk about um, what's your take with respect to infrastructure on the island of St. Croix because you're running from the district of St. Croix, but in particular, Frederick State. Uh, I, I Infrastructurally. I, I travel to Christiansted every day and I use the Melbourne Evans Highway. There's a stretch of, uh, of, of for that highway which begins, uh, I would I'd say, at uh, Williams Delight all the way to Frederick State, which is in, uh, which is in a condition that uh, is not fit for driving. Um, at nights, the whole highway is there's no part of the highway that's lit and so these are public safety issues not only infrastructure issues people talk about public safety no, that's a good connection to be able to drive the road uh, uh, safely uh, it's a public safety issue and, and it, it presents problems at night and it can present problems at day when people dodge in potholes and you know it, it, it can cause accidents infrastructure wise um, I find that the 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 island, and specifically the West, since you asked about that, is it's it's, it's lacking. And, and and once again, we continue to pay the politics, which I don't understand, uh, of starting the pavement of roads, for example, in the last six months before election. And if I think it would make a bigger impact if if people saw that you took care of them as throughout your tenure. And uh, but but but. We continue to fall for it, and so a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, scrutiny has to be placed on the electorate who don't demand better. I don't ask you this question, having been a former senator. You sound like you're ready to get on the floor and deliberate on behalf of the people that are watching that, specifically the people that in court. That that aspect of it, I, I just sense in how you talking here that you can't wait to get recognized, Senator Carrington. You recognize to speak on issue X. Um, Neville, is that, is that a big issue? Is that a big thing with you? Because you just oozing off this field where, where you you really want to deliberate. I want to deliberate, and, and and I, one of the things that I'd like to do is to raise the level of deliberation um, to deal with not personalities but policies, and we've gotten away from that. And I remember when you were when you were there, up to when you were there, you still dealt with policies rather than personalities and our, 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 our politics has, has become too personal and, uh, and we, we, we deal with personal issues, uh, personality issues rather than policies. You, you live on St. Croix, you, you still think we have uh, that intra problem, not inter, intra problem here on the island of St. Croix where um, we go after each other. Uh, one, of the, one of the historical beliefs um, where, where politics is concerned is the Sintomian senators would sit back and look at the Sintomian senators <laughs> eat, eat, eat each other raw. You, you, is, that, is, that your, is that your take looking back historically, number one? I don't want to speak for you, so mm -hmm. I'm going to ask that question. And number two, do, do you believe, if in fact th that is accurate, that you are prepared to help remedy what is uh, perceived on St. Croix as a f uh, by the electorate as a flaw with our senators going over and, and representing us collectively. I think that the uh, to the degree that still exists, uh, I, in answer to your question, I I I'd want to once again be be part of a a a cadre of of of, of new senators that 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 uh, that uh, do their best to to lift the the, the level of discourse. Uh, to the extent that we can see that we on St. Croix have common problems that need to be dealt with. And uh, if we stick together more, that we can probably get those things solved. Talking about um, um, 
a collective uh, approach. Um, you have to love St. Croix if, in fact, you really want to make a collective uh, and, and the Virgin Islands, if you want to, well, I'm talking for you from a St. Croix perspective because you're running for a St. Croix seat. Mm -hmm. You have to have a love of St. Croix, and, which means that you have to love our environment. Um, what's your take on where we are environmentally and you, um, you know, having, you know, seen land and water use plan documents being presented, I believe, twice over the, over the last 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. most recently 2004. What's your take on a comprehensive land and water use plan? Do you think if we were to implement that, it would work to our benefit as it relates to the different needs for the, the community, establishing certain areas for specific de development? I, I, like your, I, like, I like how you approach this. I like your premise. And, and the premise is so correct. You've got to love this island to serve this island. I think I think that environmentally we we're not doing a good job. We, we're slipping. We're going down a slippery slope. Um, there is a comprehensive uh, uh, tree heritage and tree act, uh, community heritage tree act. Mm -hmm. I think you're you're aware of it, and uh, it, it it requires that we uh, we we designate certain. Um, historical and community trees and that a tree board be appointed to to put in place rules and regulations regarding how you deal with these trees whether you cut them whether you prune them how you prune them mm -hmm. how you replant and and that was passed uh, by my uh, Myron Jackson's yeah, legislation the 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 tree board has yet to be f formulated and and so that I say that that's just a, a microcosm of the way we think about the environment we don't even uh, I, I've seen in the last four years, scores of mahogany trees that have been either decimated by, by improper pruning or just clearly cut down. Uh, I don't think that we as a people appreciate the symbiotic relationship between man and the environment. Wow. And this angle, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's something that people... Uh, are insensitive to. Uh, I, I had a proposal uh, uh, that I wrote, uh, trying to get it granted uh, for for the replanting of trees along the Queen Mary Highways. Uh, after the storms, uh, we lost, uh, between Kings Hill and uh, uh, Bethlehem, we lost at least 10, 15 old growth mahogany, mahogany trees. trees. yes. You noticed yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. natural too. Right. Natural road, yeah. yeah. Right. And so, um, I wrote this grant uh, proposal. I haven't gotten it funded. But when I present it to some people, people say, hey, hey, them trees need to go. Did I cause people getting an accident? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, no. That, that, that speaks to the lack of symbiotic love that, you, yes. that, that you're speaking to. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, um, we're going to talk healthcare because I know you're like, acutely familiar um, with our current uh, healthcare system. And uh, I wanted to get your, your take on that and also uh, other uh, subject areas as well. We got candidate number 10, Devin Carrington, um, member of the Indungo platform, uh, which speaks to self-sufficiency, banking, education, and areas of needs here in the Virgin Islands. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this here on The Candidate Speak. Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and yard sign up, Pauly. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? 
You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Weekday mornings are a juggle, sometimes even a struggle. Morning Edition from NPR News eases you into your day and keeps you company through the chaos of a busy morning. Hear interviews that give you context on the day's biggest stories, along with reporting and updates on the latest breaking news. Stay on top of the world with Morning Edition every weekday. From 5 to 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. And we're back here on the candidate speak. We got number 10. Uh, it's one of my favorite numbers, by the way. Walt Clyde Frazier. The next <laughs> number 10 who actually lives on St. Croix. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so, yes, yes. So, uh, but Devin Carrington is the number 10 today. So we'll be down uh, with Devin Carrington. Healthcare. Um, um, I know I spoke with you um, before uh, the, the, the campaign cycle. Um, you know what it's like um, to, have, uh, to, to be looking out for an elderly parent and knowing our... Um, um, healthcare terrain, for the lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, what is your take on healthcare? Of course, you know, last night during the debate, JFL North was a big issue. Yes, it was. And all that stuff. So um, let me just yield. Uh, what's your take on where we well, are? Let me, let me start by using this, uh, making a broad statement. Our healthcare is sick. Wow. That's a, uh, yeah. And so how can a sick institution take care of sick people. Oh we're in trouble. Yeah, man, that, um, that, as that, a general that. premise, I believe that uh, we, we haven't demonstrated, no, 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 notwithstanding the hurricanes that you know did some damage to our, to our, our facilities, and notwithstanding uh, the COVID pandemic, which you know didn't help us at all, uh, I think that we have not in the last uh, few few two years demonstrated a capacity to properly run a healthcare institution. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into to, to the board and, and, and issues with the board because that's important as well. But uh, solutions are important. Is, is this a decades-based thing, not just a, a year's thing? I, I think it's been... I've, I've witnessed a deterioration. I lived in Fredericksburg where we had the Innerborg Nesbitt Clinic. I was in a car accident when I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. 
I was operated on there. I convalesced there. Down in the West on Down Strand Street. Down in the West on Strand Street. They stitched me up. I broke my leg. I broke my uh, part of my hand and had a big hole in my head. I only lost my, my left eye. You see the scar there? Yes, yes. And everything to, uh, f- f- was done there. Locally. Locally at that clinic. So this notion that um, healthcare um, could be provided centrally in a particular area, we've actually regressed from where we I, were? I think we've regressed. That's a very good word. And, I mean, I re- we used to have babies being born in Fredericksted. So, so, so I'm saying that to say is that we, we used to run a better uh, healthcare care uh, uh, institutions in the past, but we regressed. I think that we, we going forward, we really need to think about partnering with uh, with with some uh, other healthcare institution. Uh, it happens all the time. Yes. Sister sister hospitals, are, uh, a larger hospital adopting a smaller one, um, helping them with resources, helping them with uh, expertise. Well, well, I mean, we have the most tangible example of that. Cleveland Clinic is in Western Florida. Yes, Cleveland Clinic started in Western Florida, exactly. in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, and, and then branched, branched out. out to, so, so that, that's Mayo, a, I think Mayo was a Minnesota based thing. It's exactly. All place, so, right? so it's not, it's nothing. We have, we don't have to reinvent right. the wheel. There are examples that we can borrow from to to get us back on our feet, healthcare wise. I, I think that uh, we also need to try to. I, I, I like what has been happening with the Fredericksite Healthcare uh, Center. Yeah, the Fredericksite Health Center. It, it's yeah. beautiful the way we've, they've been branching out uh, to, to have uh, facilities closer to the people within the community. Isn't, isn't there a building where the actual Ingeborg Nesbitt Clinic was that, originally? That's where their building is, yes. Okay, okay, okay. And, and, for, and I want the public to know, um, if you hear me getting personal, I apologize, but my dad was... You know what I'm saying? A doctor, a medical doctor. Actually, there's, well, a, well, there's, there's a wing in the Wang Lui Hospital named after him. And, and, so and, and, I and apologize to the public for being a little and, bit emotional and, here. And let me say that. I, I, we've gone far from the days when we had doctors like your dad who were uh, bedside, manner-friendly, so to speak. They'd come to your house. Yes, wow. <laughs> now, 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 I know that we're, we're, we're in the 20s. 21st century, this is 2022, and I heard the governor speak about uh, telemedicine and thing last night. But that, to me, that doesn't, you know, you you lose a lot when you're so impersonal with healthcare. No, that's that's an awesome, awesome uh, example there. So, so then let's let, let's cycle this back now to our another question that we don't talk about enough: our elderly population. Are we as sensitive as we should be to them collectively, not just our parents, mm-hmm. but our elderly population, because they've done so much for us from a foundational standpoint? What can we do to provide uh, to help our nonprofits to provide services for our once elderly again? Population? I love you. I love I love how you set things up. You. Premises are, are, are you know, I've been there, man. <laughs> a spot on. And, uh, and I'll take it a little further back. Uh, you know, we there's a saying that it goes something like uh, the 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 uh, the. I'm trying to 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 quote it correctly. The mark of a society is how they how they treat the most vulnerable and needy. And um, if 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 we were to be given a grade on on, on that right now, I would be failing. And I can talk. To, I can talk to personal experience, as you, as you, as you, as you alluded to. My father uh, died at ninety uh, at ninety five in twenty twenty. He suffered from dementia for about seven eight years, and my mother, who just made ninety two, uh, was the prime caretaker. And and the old adage, uh, 
was uh, reflected in my mind who's going to care for the caretaker and it got to the point I mean, I mean all, the, all the all the seven of us contributed but she was a prime caretaker uh, 24/7 and she was getting thin she was getting frail her hair was dropping out she it took a toll on her so she wow. said she said to us um she said, Devin, see what resources are out there. I need a break on the weekend, maybe. Uh, let me catch myself. So I went to Herbert Gregg, of course. They said they told me that the waiting line is long from King's Hill to Fredericksdale. Yes, sir. And then I went to a, another institution, which is privately owned, called Turning Point, which is located in the South River area. And the woman who, who runs the, the institution was really, really beautiful person. Uh, and she, she said to me, um, unf unfortunately... The next time I can accommodate your father is when somebody in this institution dies because people put their their their, their people there and, and and I guess they need their medical needs are so much that they can't take care of them elsewhere. Wow. So, so she was full to capacity, and and I say all that to say that um, those were the only facilities that were available, and so there's a a a dearth of uh, of facilities that, de that deal with uh, our elderly uh, individuals, our seniors who are in need of care. Um, this is going to be something that's amplified in, in the given years because I'm a, boom a baby boomer. And baby boomers are coming to the age now where, you know, you, we get up there. No, we were talking off the air and told we in the same generation. It's the last year the baby boomer was 64. Yes, yes. That's the last year. So you absolutely. And so, uh, so we, we, we can expect to see a, a, a multiplication of 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 individuals with uh, senior issues that have to be have to be dealt with. We can't just ignore it. Without 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 a doubt. Let, let me ask this final question as uh, we head in uh, to, to 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 your to your closing. You elected on uh, November the eighth. Swear in second Monday in January, twenty twenty three. Big item to get to hit the ground running in January once once the thirty fifth convenes. What would that be for you? Priority item number one. Priority item number one would probably be education because uh, we can't keep saying that the youth are our future and we're not equipping them to assume their role in the future. You believe literacy is, 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 literacy is, is critical is a, in that? Literacy is a big thing. I mean, we've got, and I've observed, we have teachers who actually speak the colloquial language in the classroom, which... I understand to a certain degree, but how do the children learn to speak proper English, quote unquote? I ain't talking about yanking. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I are conversing here in our dialect, yes, man. with our inflection, but without, the being, need, without the need to yank. Right, but we're being grammatically correct. So, oh, so, yes. so, so I think that um, I think that literacy, uh, language skills are lacking to the point where uh, you know it's it handicaps the ability to comprehend. So you think the fundamentals, the Ebonics, things of that nature, we need to embrace those to allow for our children to be more versatile when they're articulating, when they're processing what they read and then enunciating and articulating going forward. You and I know well that we could talk about crucial when we're ready. Yeah, man. But our colloquial language or dialect has its proper place. And when I come on the ear here, I know I'm addressing not only you, and not only my fellow Crucians, but people from all over the world, potentially. Without a doubt. And so I want to be able to represent myself and my people in the, the most uh, proper way. You got one minute to tell the public why they should consider candidate number 10, Devin Carrington, for a Senate seat from the District of St. Croix in the 35th legislature. I've, I've loved this island. This is all I know. This is all I want 
to know. I've been away. I know of other places. I've learned by, from other places. But I want to translate and, 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 and borrow from what I've learned in other places to make this a better place. I am uh, I'm experienced. I, I went away to become educated as my parents asked me to. And, and, and now it's time for me to give back to my to my uh, my people, to my island, and not only for this present generation, but for my children, Neville's children, our grandchildren, and, and the grandchildren's children. we got to set up a better place for them. Your number? Number 10 on the ballot. Uh, that's a top 10, <laughs> one zero. So I uh, hope that people uh, hear my voice, hear my passion, hear my, my plea, and then consider me for uh, for a vote. That's Devin Carrington, number 10 on the ballot from the St. Croix uh, Senatorial race here on the candidate speak. I'm glad to have you here. And, and I thank I, you, I, thank you for the opportunity. Doubt, and I wish you uh, well uh, throughout the next 25 days. Time flying, the next 25 days of which I believe we got 18 more, including today, early voting, and then election day itself on November the 8th. Yes, sir. You got yes, it. Thank sir. you very much for joining us here on the candidate speak. Thank Appreciate you for the opportunity. That. Awesome interview. That's uh, Devin Carrington out of the West. You know, I like to say that for everybody kind of out of the West uh, joining us this morning and uh, distinguishing himself. You can tell how comfortable he is on the microphone because he's actually done some radio stuff before that. So um, let me check him off and see how many we got left on the St. Croix side. And uh, look, we got Milani Kings. We got a song for Milani Kings laying up. Remember last week we did, um, okay, check out Devin Carrington. Remember last week we did, uh, uh, Sergio <coughs> Feliciano when he was with, with the wrecking crew today. Uh, we wanted, I wanted to listen. Uh, we're going straight to it now. Um, to close out the hour, right? A classic for Milani Kings. Of course, you know, Emil Francis, one of the great Virgin Islanders. Right, and of course, that great band, Milo and the Kings, which was the staple of the Vodans for a lot of years. And the one and only Dr. Sax, Ira Myers, uh, and the saxophone. So give me that Milo and the Kings that have done this hour, because you know we go incorporate our culture. Um, normally we do it on Thursday, but yesterday we were packed. So we're going to drop that Milo and the Kings classic, and then we come back right after that, close out the hour, and then um, prep ourselves for Marvin Blyden joining us on 910. Milo and the Kings, classic. Women rock the beach like wild, and men brought in style. She don't know why they acting like little child. Not me, girl, when you see me coming down. Oh, you want me come? All them sexy women are jamming. Oh, you want me come? A chukina, 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 wailing. Oh, you want me come? All them Yankee women parading. Oh, you want me come? Not me, baby, not me, I ain't running. Say, I want him, I need him, I'm going home with him today That's me, girl, when you see me coming down All you want me come All them sexy women are jamming All you want me come A chokin' a chokin' a chokin' a wailing All you want me come All them sexy Yankees parading All you want me come That's me, baby, that's me Music jamming everywhere 
on my street Music sounding sweet If you see me winding up to the beat That's me Girl, when you see me coming down How you want me go? All them sexy women are jamming How you want me go? A chugging, a chugging, a chugging, a wailing How you want me go? All them sexy Yankees parading How you want me go? Yes, indeed. Um, the great Milo and the Kings out of St. Thomas. I got a joke for you, right? Um, Devin Carrington had forgotten his his glasses, so he come back into the studio. And he's a, a, a baseman, parks a lance, right? And he heard he heard the music. He said, "That's Doctor Sax," and, and that's his name. Ira Myers was known as Doctor Sax over there in St. Thomas. And you know that's what we do here. You know what I mean? Maybe I analyze this. We the history the history buff that is Neville James, music lover, uh, sports, all that stuff. So we got, we like to incorporate. Uh, the greatness of our our local people and Milo and the Kings definitely, um, you know, was a great band. And um, I like to talk to my my godfather up in Queens, Baika. He like his his brother, um, Colin Wesselhoff, uh, was a um, uh, a trumpet man for Milo. So check this out. I need to know who the lead singer was for Milo and the Kings. I I know that voice. So one, I text me who listening, Ingrid for Kaiser. If you know who the lead singer was for um, Milo and the Kings back in the day, text me, let me know, because that, that voice is unique. We'll take a break, when we come back, and we'll uh, give you some COVID numbers, national numbers, and prepare for Senator Marvin Bladen in the 9 o'clock hour on the candidate speak. We'll be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. 